0: Welcome to Conversations with Anne Elizabeth, the podcast inspired by my book, I'm a Registered Dietitian, Now What?, where I have the absolute joy to sit back, relax, and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal story of passion and purpose, especially Registered Dietitians. My conversation today is with Registered Dietitian Rachel Wall, an expert in community nutrition with the Iowa State University Extension and Outreach. My conversation today reminded me of how many things I did not learn before I became a dietitian. There's so many wonderful professions out there for us and I just don't think we know enough about them. Opportunities are everywhere for us and the best part is we can create our own opportunities, which is why I created something for dietitians and wrote my book. You can create and find the perfect job no matter where you are in your journey. And I'm a little biased, but I think you will be inspired by reading my book, I'm a Registered Dietitian, Now What? You can easily order it off my website, annelizabethardy.com, and it's available on Amazon and iTunes. Have I ever mentioned to you how much I love popcorn? I'm pretty sure I have, but I really do. It's a snack that makes me happy, and it's so versatile. Jolly Time Popcorn is available in a variety of flavors and is full of healthy whole grains, and I can top it with anything – Today, I sprinkled cinnamon on crisp white popcorn and I may have had it for breakfast. Go to jollytime.com for more information and money saving coupons. Rachel and I had a great conversation today. She radiates passion for being a registered dietitian and is flourishing as a nutrition and wellness specialist for the Iowa State University Extension and Outreach. I did not get a lot of experience in Extension when I was in my internship, and I really think it's important for many of us to look more into this career. Rachel and I share many similar interests when it comes to food, cooking, and our favorite fruit, which is cherries. She enjoys and excels as an expert in media by doing a monthly live TV segment, and you must follow her Instagram feed for beautiful food photos of recipes she's recreating at home. Another fun and amazing tidbit about Rachel is she's been training and doing triathlons this summer. Please enjoy my conversation with Rachel. That that I get to learn about sure. it too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, it'll be good. <laughs> and to refresh my memory about being an intern because <laughs> it's been a long time <laughs> yeah. since I've been there too. So, <laughs> so Les, why don't we just kind of start? So, okay. I know that you're a, very, you're a younger dietitian, which yes. is awesome, so look, kind of take me back to the where you kind of found nutrition as what you wanted to do when you got
1: older? Yeah, so let's see. Well, I was always around food. Um, I grew up on a farm uh, just 10 minutes outside of Iowa City, and so we had corn and soybeans and hogs, and so I was always around food production, and then I was very involved in the 4-H program. Um, And so I did lots of food and nutrition exhibits, and I had presentations, and... So I had an interest in it, and my mom was a wonderful cook. So that was that was wonderful because I grew up with great food. Um, but I really thought I was going to do elementary education, actually. And Did you? So I was, I had applied to Simpson College, and I was all set to go there and do elementary ed. And um, then I started uh, doing some CCD religious education classes, and I said, I don't know if I can be with kids. <laughs> All day long. Um, I, you know, I love kids, but it's another thing to the whole group management and being around them. And so I kind of started pursuing other options and I had been to Iowa State for conferences through 4-H and my dad was an Iowa State alum. And so I was like, you know, what do they have to offer? And they, at the time, had a relatively new program called Diet and Exercise. And it's a concurrent program where you can get your bachelor's and master's degree in five years. Um, and that was really appealing to me, and so I decided to give that a try. So that's kind of where it all got started. And did you, when you started, how did you feel when
0: you kind of entered the program?
1: Um, did you feel I like think it was a I, good fit? Yes, I really liked the program. Um, I think it, it's a very p- fast pace, and so I had to make quite a few sacrifices. So I took a lot of summer classes. I spent quite a few summers in Ames. Um, But I wouldn't have changed it. I'm glad I did it. The other thing that I think surprised me was the amount of science involved in dietetics um, and exercise science. I don't know that, I think people think that we just talk about fruits and vegetables all day long, (laughs) Um, which, yes, those are really important, but there's a reason why we're talking about them. And so, um, you know, all the metabolism classes we had to take and chemistry and organic chemistry and biochemistry and... Um, I had to take physics as part of my um, kinesiology degree. So the science part was, um, I would say that was a little surprising how much there was involved in it. But but I think after you get through those introductory classes, you're able to apply that information and why those things you learned early on was important. And so, um, so that was a great, great um, learning experience. Is that program still available? It is, it is. yes. Um, so it's... Uh, when you enter Iowa State, you I was as a pre-diet and exercise major, and then the, my third year in that fall, you apply for the program. So okay. they, have, they look at your GPA, letters of recommendation. You also um, write a, a letter of why you want to be in the program, and then they accept, um, you know, they let you know about your status in the spring, and then you start taking graduate-level classes the spring of your junior year. Wow. Um, so it's it's pretty fast-paced. It's a lot of logistics because certain classes are only offered like fall or spring and maybe only odd or even years. So you have to really plan out your schedule well. And the other thing it really um, requires you to do is find a major professor pretty early on um, because you had to find one who, if you want to graduate by a certain time, has a research project that aligns with that time frame mm-hmm. also. Um, so my research project was... Uh, actually looking, I was working with Dr. Ruth Litchfield, who's a registered dietitian, and she has an extension appointment also. So that's kind of how I got to see what does a nutrition and wellness specialist in extension do. Um, but my project was looking at local wellness policies in schools. And at the time, um, they were the schools were required to have a local wellness policy, but they weren't required really to... Um, have a certain quality of wellness policy. And so I actually looked at 30 different wellness policies from Iowa, Pennsylvania, and um, California who are part of a USDA Team Nutrition Grant. And so a student, a graduate student prior to me, I collected all the data. So I did a lot of statistical analysis looking at, okay, if certain people were involved in writing this policy, did that mean it was more likely to be implemented? Or if... um, Certain people were involved with the development of this. Did it, was it a more well-written policy? And at the end of the day, what we found was, regardless of the quality of the policy, it didn't influence whether or not it was being implemented. So to me, that said... You know, human behavior, if there's not consequences, <laughs> then people aren't always likely to do things like with seatbelts until there was fines. People may not have been wearing their seatbelts as much. Um, and since then, actually, there were some changes with the Healthy Hunger Free Kids Act that require more strongly written wellness policies um, and kind of some follow up um, and monitoring of those goals. So it's kind of been fun to see how things have changed Um And so for me, too, that kind of got me interested a little in um, public policy and how what is, you know, decided at the national level has direct implications um, here in our state and communities. That's so true. And it's interesting, like, you mentioned
0: the wellness policies because I don't think a lot of people realize that dietitians can have a huge role
1: Mm -hmm.
0: in that development Mm -hmm. and execution. Mm -hmm. And I think it's kind of it's kind of transitioned from, you know, creating them, but now helping them implement those as well.
1: Definitely. Um, and actually, Iowa State has a, a local wellness policy tool. Um, I'm not sure where it stands right now, but that was to help school districts, um, you know, figure out where they want to focus their wellness policy efforts, help get that team together, decide who's going to be responsible for what to actually execute the policy. Um but to what you were saying earlier I think our legislators and representatives our elected officials have so many things that they need to be knowledgeable about and often many of them don't have an expertise in nutrition and so we really need to advocate for ourselves because otherwise mm-hmm. that won't it won't be reflected in the policies that we have if we're not speaking up about mm-hmm. it and mm-hmm. that's I think don't you
0: feel like dietitians we just there's just a small amount of us that are speaking up about it, and there needs to be more of us.
1: (laughs) I I think there's always, I mean, if you're not keeping yourself in the forefront, other people will take your place. Absolutely. (laughs) And so um, it just, I think we just need to constantly be there, be that, you know, reminder of, okay, this is why this is important. Um, Because I think a lot of it isn't even... um, that they don't want to do things that are good with regards to nutrition policy. They just may not know. Mm-hmm. And, and we can provide that science and research and educate why these policies are a good thing.
0: Did you ever think when you went into your degree that you'd be interested in school wellness and public policy? <laughs>
1: you know, I think that's the beauty of nutrition is there's so many um, avenues that you can pursue. And I think what I like most about my job is that i get to have you know feelers in a lot of different areas within nutrition so i get to work with schools primarily more now on the food safety aspect of things um but you know i still get to work with schools um i get to work with child care providers and providing nutrition recommendations i get to have dietetic interns um and work with students um so i you know i get to do a wide variety of of Things and interact with the community in different ways, which is really fun. Do you, when you think
0: about um, doing your graduate degree, Mm -hmm. do you feel like that is a good thing for us dietitians to kind of pursue? Oh, that's a that's a loaded question. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of looking back on your own, sure. You know, thinking about if I just would have did my undergrad and not my graduate Mm -hmm. degree. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, you know, I can see I can see two sides to the coin. Um, I know very, um, highly respected dietitians that I think a lot of that don't have a master's degree. And I don't know that having it would make them a better dietitian, um, or be able to do their job any better. However, I realize there's some aspects within the field where maybe that additional expertise is needed or warranted. Um, and in my current position, it allowed me to um, be eligible for my job without any years of experience by having the master's degree. Oh, I didn't know that. And so um, so in extension, it was uh, through the university system, it was either three years of experience in a bachelor's degree or um, a master's degree and some experience would be preferred. And so for mm. me, that allowed me to get into this type of position more quickly. And I think part of it just was is because of, you know, the university system. Um, so I guess for me, it was definitely an advantage. And I think I knew that if I didn't do my master's, then it would be a lot harder for me to go back yeah. and do it later. <laughs> you know, I was kind of just in the routine of things. You're like, and, I'm just going to keep going. I'm just going to keep the momentum. Yeah. Happening. <laughs> and it made it really enticing to be able to get my bachelor's and master's at the same time, as far as financially, it was um, made more sense. So you know, I think for each person it, it kind of depends on what their situation looks like because mm-hmm. I think there are a, not a lot, but you know, some non traditional dietetic students they may have started out in another career and so it may be more challenging for them to to obtain a masters while they're also trying to work on, you know, a job and get sure. the, the credential and everything. Sure. So when you got done with your degree
0: after was it six years? Five, um, years? five years? Five yeah. years. Five years. So mm-hmm. but you did have to take Summer classes. Yes, yes. <laughs> you had to work a little extra hard. What was kind of when you graduated? What were you kind of looking for in a job? What was on the horizon for yeah. you? Yeah.
1: So, well, after I graduated, I um, so I graduated. My goal was to get done with my thesis and defend and everything in May. Um, but I that lit review and all those <laughs> <laughs> all those extra all that writings <laughs> took me a little longer. Um, which was it was okay. It was just part of the process. So then that August. I, I finished like the second week in August, and then like the fourth week in August, I started my dietetic internship. Um, and so I was fortunate enough to be able to go to Vanderbilt um, University Medical Center in Nashville. Um, so I was there for about 10 months as part of my internship experience, so August through June. Um, Do you mind me asking how you chose one of those as your options? Sure. Well, for me, when I was looking at an internship, I was looking at one that didn't have graduate credits because I already had had that, mm. and so um, that was kind of one of the defining features. And then I also set a budget of ten thousand dollars, and so I said, <laughs> okay, anything over ten thousand, that's my cutoff. <laughs> so that's kind of how I. Those were two, you know, big features. Um, but then I also, you know, looked at the quality of the program. I was able to visit um, the program in Nashville, and I I love the director there, Elizabeth Robinson. Um, and Diane Killebrew, they do a great job. And so that really sold me on the program. Being able... I wasn't um, convinced that clinical was where my heart was at, and so I wanted something that kind of had um, equal amounts of experience in clinical and community, and this one provided that. And I wanted to get outside of Iowa um, for a little bit. I love the Midwest, um, but I thought, you know, it's good to learn about people different from myself, and so I wanted to Live in a different state for a while, um, and I love country music. <laughs> so, so it was perfect. So that, and it was a good, you know, it's about 10 hours, so I could do it in a weekend if I had to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, those were kind of some of the reasons why I decided to, to apply there. It's
0: a cool city to go to. It's a very fun city. Yes, yeah, Yeah, I got to,
1: we kind of had a mini class reunion there when Fancy was there. Oh, did you? A few years ago. So that was a lot of fun to yeah, see Yeah, that would be very, it was like our old stomping grounds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep. <laughs> so you had a great
0: experience. It I, kind of fulfilled all the things that you were looking for.
1: It did. And, you know, going into the internship, I I thought that community was kind of where I was interested or management, but I wasn't, you know, 100%. And not that I, um, after the internship it's not that I couldn't work in clinical, but I think I can use more of my skills in community or um, management. And so that's kind of, that kind of helps seal the deal on that, I guess, um, as far as when I started looking for jobs. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, that's where, it,
0: so was it, how was the job? So how long ago would that, how many years ago was so that? So
1: it was, um, in June, it would have been five years ago that I graduated okay. from my internship. So, so how was the job market then? Yeah, that was um, interesting. <laughs> you know, I think um, I, I wanted to come back to Iowa and get a job, so I, I was limiting myself a little bit in, as far as, like, you know, I wasn't open to moving anywhere in the country. Um, because after being that far from my family, I was like, you know, this was a great experience, but I really want to be back closer to home and, you know, be there if, like, something comes up on the weekend and I want to spend time with my family, or my friends, a lot of them were getting married at that point in time too. So it was nice to be able to be back for that. And, um, so I came back in June and then I took the RD exam that August, um, and passed. So that was great. (laughs) (laughs) And then I, uh, started looking for some positions and my, um, Dr. Litchfield actually said, Hey, you know, we have a nutrition wellness specialist who's going to be transitioning to a position on campus um, would you be interested in helping her out a little bit during that transition period with some of her programs and I said oh that sounds great you know and so um, it was 30 hours a week I believe Um, so I was based um, in Altoona out of the Polk County Extension Office and I um, was helping Jody uh, Gatewood, who's our oh, annual sure. meeting yeah. chair now. Yeah, she's our elect. Iowa
0: Academy meeting for next year. Yes.
1: <laughs> so she was a great mentor to me and kind of showed me the ropes. So I helped her with programs. Um, so we had 11 counties at that point in time in central Iowa. So that was a, you know, I got a feel for, okay, there's a fair amount of travel involved with this job, um, some nights and weekends, but it's a very flexible job too. And so that was huge. Um, helped her with some serve safe classes and child care trainings. And then my goal was that I could um, apply for that full time position when it became open. Well, come to find out, it got posted and it was um, a higher than entry level position, and so I didn't mm-hmm. qualify. And so that was, you know, kind of a bummer. Um, and I applied for a few other positions, and those didn't work out. And so I was kind of. Um, you know, it was kind of rough because I think I thought, oh, I, you know, have all these skills and I know I would, I think I would be a great dietitian in these settings. But you're competing against a lot of other great dietitians as well. And so, um, you know, I think growing up, it, I mean, 4-H taught me a lot of life lessons. One is that you don't, you know, win or get first all the time. And so <laughs> you kind of have to persevere. And when one door doesn't open, another one does. And Really, what it allowed me to do was then this position I have now became open, which is kind of like the dream job, because it's in the counties where I grew up, Um, I get to be close to my family, um, and it was more of an entry-level position when it was posted. So, I applied, and I've been working here since March of 2013. It's been a good fit for you. It's been, yeah, it's been wonderful, so... Well, I know
0: earlier we were kind of talking about just a few things that you do in your job. First of all, tell me what's your favorite thing about
1: my working in Extension? My favorite thing. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, I would have to say one of the best things is serving Iowans. I mean, I so I grew up um, in Johnson County, and now I get to provide resources and training for the people that I grew up with that helped shape me into who I am, and so that's just awesome to be able to give back. Um, my my family and most of my extended family live within the seven counties I serve.
0: Which is so awesome. So, I mean, like, it's, it's like home in more ways than one.
1: It is. It really is. Um, and so being able to make those connections now as a professional with people that I admired growing up is just, it's just wonderful. Do you think they see you as the nutrition expert?
0: Like the ones that knew you before you were the nutrition expert? Sure. Like, are they, they still know you as Rachel, but do you think that they now really kind of go to you for that information?
1: I do. I feel um, respected and that they trust the information that we provide. Um, That's really our goal is to make sure that we're providing research-based education to the citizens in the state. There's lots of people out there who maybe have an ulterior motive or trying to sell something or what they're providing or sharing isn't based in science. And we, um, you know, we really want to provide people what what is the science telling us and give them um, recommendations that they can apply to their life that are based on that.
0: And to make their lives easier for exactly. them. And healthier. Exactly. And Mm-hmm. And I think that I, I just know during my internship, I didn't get a lot of extension experience. And so this is a whole new world for me. And sure. I think a lot of dietitians don't have that experience mm-hmm. either. So that's why I think it's great for you to kind of tell us and the rest of the listeners what are, again, all the other things that you're doing mm-hmm. in your job. Because you never have a day that's the same. (laughs)
1: No. And I think, so one thing to keep in mind is I didn't have extension during my internship either. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I really felt it was important to take on interns because even if they don't pursue a career in extension, I want them to know that we exist and that we're important and that we are there across the country. So um, we're part of the cooperative extension system. So we're the education branch of the USDA. And Um, each state has extension in some form or fashion. Um, Iowa State University is actually our state's first land-grant university, and so the federal government gifted pieces of land um, to establish um, land-grant universities. So that's how Iowa State was first started. So we're actually mapping now those parcels of land that were sold, and then that money was used to build Iowa State. Um, Because when I first heard land-grant, I thought, oh, that means that they just gave them the land that Iowa State sits on, but actually, it's like um, thousands of acres up in like northwest Iowa, and so we have this kind of a plug here, but this land yeah. grant legacy project, so people can see actually the land that was given to help start Iowa State, which is kind of cool.
0: I never knew that. Yeah,
1: I, I'm, I'm still learning. You're too. learning too. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, part of um, Extension's mission is to. Uh, take research and education and make it accessible to all citizens across the state. So um, Abraham Lincoln signed the Morrill Act into place. And so you'll, when you go to Iowa State, you'll see Morrill Hall and that's to honor that um, act. And so that's what established our cooperative system and provides kind of the structure for extension. So we, I'm directly linked with the College of Human Sciences on campus. Um, And so we work with professors in different units and departments on campus to determine what are the needs of Iowans and what research and education can we bring to our communities across the state to help improve their lives. Um, So some of our big project areas, uh, we kind of have to, we do needs assessments, we have to kind of focus what we do. because. Um in the counties I serve I have about half a million people. <laughs> so oh my gosh. So we you know, I, I don't do like one on one nutrition consulting sure. in my position. It's more uh group classes um with individuals, but we do a lot of food safety education. So I teach um serve safe. Uh in Iowa the version of the food code we're following now requires that someone on staff be a certified food protection manager. And so once they pass the Serve Safe Exam, they receive that designation. So do you go to like
0: different businesses and entities that it doesn't matter if you're associated with them or not, you just are able to provide the class for them?
1: Correct. So usually um, I teach the class in primarily Iowa City and Cedar Rapids at the extension office. Um, and... I work a lot with the health inspectors um, okay. that are in those establishments more regularly. And so they'll sh- share my marketing materials and flyers with them, and then they can get on our website and register for a class. Um, but I have done classes for business. If they have um, at least 10 employees, and I can come to them and do a class on site. Or I've done some with school food service um, if oh, they sure. have enough staff. Um, so we do go out and deliver it to them as well. It's just a little easier to have it here in my office because all my stuff is yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Because um, you probably have props and things
0: that you need yes, to show. And yes. is it difficult to become a certified instructor for Safe? Uh,
1: It's not. You know, it's just some extra time, I would say. So there'll be some additional quizzes you take through the Serve Safe website. And then you also do have to have a certain um, level of education. So they require, I believe it's either a bachelor's or a registered dietitian credential. There's some additional credentials that they require. Um, so that allows me to teach the class, and then there's also um, the certified proctor, so that allows me to administer the exam. Oh, wow. Um, so there's just a few extra pieces there. Uh, another audience we work quite a bit with is child care providers, so those that either do child care in their home or they work at a center. Um, and as part of um, DHS, they have to have so many hours of nutrition education training each year Mm. um and also if they're part of the child and adult care food program or cacfp they need to have so many hours of nutrition education each year also i had no idea yeah so we um teach typically they're two-hour workshops Um, we do them either face-to-face or we also have some that are online and they're on a variety of topics so we have some on food allergies Um, menu planning, we have a new one on infant feeding that we just came out with and breastfeeding. So we try to address topics that are timely and relate to um, what the providers would like to learn more about. And another big area of um, our programming is food preservation. So we teach classes on um, how to properly can, freeze, and dehydrate food. That's an area where there's a lot of misinformation out there on the web um, as far as maybe some shortcuts that would make it seem a little easier. But in the long run, as far as food safety is concerned, um, they're not the best route to go. So we're um, educating people on using USDA tested and approved canning recipes um, to make sure that they're going to be safe for them and their family to consume.
0: Huh? Do you, Is there a lot
1: of people doing food preservation? Is it kind of becoming more popular again? I think it's kind of a coming full circle. So I think it's kind of a trendy now to grow, you know, have your own garden or Mm -hmm. get items from the farmer's market and then can or preserve them in some way, which I think is awesome. Um, It's just we want to make sure you're doing it safely. Sure. So um, we have some classes where we just talk about it and I'll bring my equipment. And then we actually have some hands-on workshops um, called Preserve the Taste of Summer. So there's online lessons and then they come to a workshop where we actually do the canning. So we'll, oh. we have one on pickling, we have one on salsa making, we have one on jams, and then we have one on pressure canning. And that's the one that people hmm. get really intimidated with as a pressure canner because they've had heard horror stories of things, oh, things happening exploding
0: and- so we
1: want to eliminate those fears and you know make them feel comfortable around the canner so that they can then do it at home I think I should take a class like that because That's,
0: I remember. Do you, Did your family do a lot of canning and stuff when we, you were you younger? Know, we did, we or like mean, your grandparents?
1: Yes, I remember making strawberry and raspberry jam with my grandma. Mm-hmm. And then we did a ton of freezing of sweet corn and oh, tomatoes. Sure. Um, but I didn't really do a lot of pressure canning growing up. So for me, it was also a learning curve. So I went through a three day training I was um, ask to teach you, the classes. Yeah. But we do offer um, the preserve, the taste of summer for continuing education for registered dietitians. So if any dietitians are interested, they can participate in the class and get CEUs. And
0: I remember seeing... Um, I think I put that on our Iowa Academy website too when you guys had a sure. series. So mm-hmm. that would be something that I definitely think we need to be more aware of. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Because I think it, like you said, I think it's starting to kind of come around full mm-hmm. a circle with people growing their own food mm-hmm. and wanting mm-hmm. to eat it at
1: home for mm-hmm. a long time. Mm-hmm. Or even if you're working with a client and they're wanting to do some of this, being knowledgeable about, hey, Iowa State or your extension service has these resources, make sure that you're doing it correctly because there's other factors that influence canning like the elevation that you're at. And so it's important to know because um, at higher elevations, you need to process the food for a longer amount of time. And so oh. we just want to make sure that people are doing it safely. So even if you're not you know, working directly in extension. There is an extension person like myself that serves your area and they're, you know, they're a potential partner and resource.
0: Mm-hmm. See, and I would have, who would have knew about I elevation? Know, I know. And even like thinking in Iowa, everybody's like, oh, Iowa's just all pretty much fields," But I'm sure there's different elevations throughout there are. the state Yes, too.
1: yes. We have a map that you can get on our website. Um, so the southeast part of the state here is under a thousand feet, so we don't have to make any adjustments. But, um, the other, you know, other corners of the state are above a thousand feet, so they do have to make adjustments when they're canning. So
0: that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Isn't it, does it affect like the bacteria growth and like how it's Yeah, so it, it has preserved. to do with
1: you. Um, so when you look on like a, a a baking, like a box, uh, cake mix, you'll see you know when it says preparing at oh, higher yeah. elevations. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the it affects how quickly the water boils and the pressure, hmm. and so we have to be able to reach that um, correct temperature and pressure. And so we need to either use more pounds of pressure or a longer processing time to make sure that proper cooking time is reached. Huh. Do you like to cook? I love to cook. Do you? Okay, good. (laughs) So I was like,
0: I bet you have to love to cook because otherwise it would be difficult for you to teach probably some of these classes.
1: (laughs) I do. I really like cooking. Um, I think I probably do more of it in my job now than I do for myself. (laughs) (laughs) you probably do. (laughs) Um, Just because, uh, you know, if, if I want people to do this when they get home, I have to be able to sell it to them. And so having samples or the actual food item there just makes it so much easier to make it believable that yes, this is easy to make and yes, it can taste good. Um, So I often take if there's things left over from a class, I may have that for part of a meal or something. Absolutely. But, um, (laughs) but no, I do love to cook. I like trying new recipes. Do you try some things out before you put them in class too? Yes. Usually I try to. Yeah. Um, And our spend smart, eat smart website is where I get a lot of our recipes from just because they're nutritious and they're low cost and they're very easy to make. They don't require a lot of special equipment. So I'll make those for classes, but also for myself. Um, but I also like you know, seeing kind of what's trendy in the food world. And so I like trying new restaurants and seeing what they've got going on. Um, or I'll try to mimic a, a food blogger's recipe mm-hmm. to the best of my I ability. Know. You guys,
0: you need to follow. I'm going to put her Instagram um, contact on the podcast show notes because she makes. She last week you made this delicious, like,
1: I don't know what it would had shrimp on it. Oh, that it was, so yeah, good. that was really good. What did I get? That was from, um... Iowa Girl Eats, and okay. she had um, made the recipe, and I had some kale. My sister has a huge garden, and so she? she gave me some, so I was able to use some of that in the recipe. Oh, so. I bet that was so good. It yeah. looked
0: it looked amazing, so I will put that in some show notes so you can start yeah. following her on Instagram because was- she'll make you hungry
1: for <laughs> sure. <laughs> I would love to learn more about... Um, uh, food photography though because right now it's just kind of me and my phone and mm-hmm. um so I think it'd be really fun to take a class on how to take pictures of food um with your phone so
0: yeah I if you ever find a good one let me know okay. I'll take it with you because okay. I've been interested in that too yeah because I know that you know we take pictures and we think it looks delicious but it could look even
1: better yes exactly <laughs> exactly without having a big fancy camera yeah Just with what I have, how can I use it best? I'm not going to get lenses, and I'm not going to do that whole thing.
0: So So you love to cook, and you love sharing that Mm -hmm. with other people Mm -hmm. in your job. What else do you like about extension? Like, if you're thinking of talking to another dietitian who's listening today, and they have no Mm -hmm. idea, and there's a job available, what would be
1: something that you would say about extension? Sure. Well, I think um, one of the other things I love about my job is the team that I get to work with. I feel like we're very supportive of each other. Um, and so there's tw- twelve nutrition and wellness specialists like myself across the state um, that do the nutrition and wellness programming. And I think the great part is, even though we're not, you know I may not see them every day, we can kind of divide and conquer with our workforce. So we all do similar programming. So let's say, Um, We have two or three of us that are interested in developing new child care training. They'll work and develop and refine that and then ask for feedback. And then all of us are able to use and deliver that program. So it's not like I'm having to recreate the wheel all the time. Um, And Extension gives you the opportunity, I would say, to really explore your interests. So if there's one area that you really want to delve into, for me, a few years ago, it was how can we improve our Registration system for Serve Safe. We um, had done, <laughs> was it a disaster? It, well, you know, it just um, we had more and more people needing the class, and um, we had paper and pencil registration, and we weren't oh. able to accept credit card. And so, even though that may not seem like a "quote unquote" dietitian's um, probably something you may think about in your job, it really impacted um, my time because I was spending so much time helping answer registration questions rather than doing other things like research food safety. Mm -hmm. So um, my coworker and I spent um, probably six months working with our registrations team on campus, and they helped us develop this online system. um, So we can take credit cards now. People get confirmation emails. Um, We're able to be more inviting of accommodation requests. So if someone has some kind of special need or disability or needs an interpreter, we can... Um, ask about that ahead of time and and do better jobs planning for that so you know that was something that I probably didn't think was going (laughs) to come across my plate but that kind of took me in one direction and got to spend some time doing that Um, yeah I think it's just um, it's something that I think can grow with you throughout your career it's even when I started the job is not the same as what it was What it is now.
0: And it seems like you can kind of focus on things that you really enjoy, too. Mm -hmm. So if you wanted to create some type of educational piece on something that you're passionate about, there is kind of some room for that.
1: Exactly. And I think um, within our team, we all have our strengths. So some of us are, you know, some of my colleagues have more education um, training and background. So that's been really advantageous because, you know, with throughout my dietetics coursework, we learned a lot of content and knowledge, but I don't know that I had a lot of classes on how to teach nutrition to other people. And so that's really been something we've also spent a lot of time on is adult learning strategies and how do adults best learn and how can we structure our classes to make sure that people understand the material as best as possible. So, so that's been great to have other people on our team help us um, design our classes so that they're really... Not just us lecturing the whole time, but Mm -hmm. incorporating hands on learning pieces, um, asking them to do things prior to coming to class to help them, you know, have the best experience possible.
0: Do you like that teaching aspect too?
1: I love the teaching aspect. (laughs) Um, You know, it's, I have a greater appreciation for how much time goes into setting up those teaching opportunities though. There's marketing, there is, you know, coordinating logistics of the room and the location and, you know, all those things that play into making it a successful event. And then there's the follow-up afterwards of, okay, who didn't come? Who still needs a certificate? Um, the evaluations that we need to input. Uh, so the teaching is really great because that's, that's like the bread and butter, I think. That's the best part. Um, and so it makes all those other things worth it, to, you know, when you get to the teaching part.
0: And that's it's so funny how you said that, too, because it is true. Like, the teaching part is the best part, and it's the smallest part yes. of getting ready <laughs> for a class. Mm-hmm. You spend all that time before and after. But I think it's good to tell people, though, that that's a big part of your job. Mm-hmm. I mean, teaching is a huge part of your job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think, market like, marketing, that's a great thing to bring up, too, mm-hmm. because you do have to market your own services. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of dietitians don't realize that in a lot of aspects of our of our profession,
1: marketing is a huge piece. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, we have within our um, human sciences extension community really focused, that was one of our key initiatives, was to develop a focused marketing effort. And so we have, fortunately, you know, I'm not doing this alone. We have someone on campus who helps us develop these materials. So now all our flyers have a professional look and we have stationary and all of those things um, but it still takes time and it takes the buy-in from everyone because if a few people decide not to do it then it's not going to work, not gonna
0: work. <laughs> yeah and I, that goes for everything I oh think any yeah. job or anything if you're part of a group of people mm-hmm. there has to be that buy-in yes. for everyone mm-hmm. and I think it's good to mention that there has to be cohesiveness with your marketing materials mm-hmm. and it has to be professional mm-hmm. and because mm-hmm. it has to be eye-catching and people have to want to do it and then they want to associate it with you exactly. when something comes up, exactly, which is a very good point too. So, do you see yourself kind of being an extension for a long time? Yeah, that's a
1: great question. I I love my job, um, and I think I I could be happy in it for the rest of my life. Uh-huh. That being said, I don't you know I don't know where life's going to take sure. me, and yeah. so it's I guess it's hard to predict the future. Um, but I I really love my job, and I think. Like I mentioned earlier, being able to focus on so many different things. If I wasn't working in Extension, I think I would enjoy, you know, something else in the community or management Mm -hmm. area. School food service director always kind of appealed to me. I was going to ask if that's something that you would be That would be a fun challenge, I think. Um, Or even working with students, like in an internship role, I think that would be, uh, or an academic advisor. Those, I think, would be really interesting also. Um, But, I mean... Right now, I'm able to do all those things, just not every day. In your
0: current job. Yeah. Yeah. So.
1: Which is awesome. Yeah.
0: And I think that's so good to say, too, is that even if you are just doing extension, just doing this extension, you do get a little piece of a lot of other skills, like management and marketing and precepting. and Definitely. Also being a volunteer for organizations and and getting experience in different things that way.
1: Yes. And I'm fortunate that my job allows me to do those things. I mean, they were very supportive of me being a part of the Iowa Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics and being a board member. Um, I don't know that all positions would be that flexible or allow that. And so they really saw that as an opportunity for me to build my skills and network with other dietitians. And so I'm very grateful for that because i you know, was able to meet a lot of people and, you know, I learned so much about budgeting and financing (laughs) and, um, and also being a media spokesperson, that's been helpful for me in my own job. I get to do a TV segment once a month. And Mm -hmm. so watching other dietitian segments has been really helpful and seeing, okay, I really like they did this or talked about that. And that prop looks really good when they set it up that way. And so it's just been great, you know, a great way to Learn and share,
0: and I I know that you do YouTube media once a month for the extension.
1: Uh, Yes, so we have. um, So I have to credit my predecessor Jan Temple, who had my position before me. She had a long-standing segment on KCRG TV nine out of Cedar Rapids, Um, and so when I started, she really helped me get connected with them. And so I have a segment um, the second Tuesday of each month in the morning, and. They really leave it pretty open ended as to what I get to talk about, um, so I try to tie it in with some of our monthly newsletters and themes we have on our websites. But it's it's a lot of fun. That's another probably one of my favorite pieces of my some job. Yeah, yeah, You just you get to reach a lot of people in a short amount of time, and you know there is a good amount of prep work that goes into it, as I'm sure you know. Um, but it's just it's really fun and. Uh, People who may not come to some of my other programs or be one of our target audiences, that's often a way that they may be reached.
0: You probably get people that are like, hey, where do I know her from?
1: Yes. (laughs) I had that once. I was going to visit my friend who had just had a baby, and we were in the hospital in the elevator going up. And someone stopped (laughs) me and said, oh, you were on the news last week. (laughs) And, you know, like just completely out of nowhere. So it, it does. It happens. I'm sure you have that, too. Sure. It's, it's It's kind of funny. But, um, But, yeah. yeah, you're
0: reaching people that you don't even know, mm-hmm. and obviously, mm-hmm. in that experience. And I think that's where our dietitians also need to start getting in a little bit more is being out there. Because you are that face, again, of nutrition. They might not know you or know mm-hmm. your name. But they're going to be like, hey, you were that dietitian on TV talking about watermelon like yes. you did for your last segment.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's a good thing. Yes, it is. I think um, the more that we can, again, be out there, let people know who we are, what a registered dietitian does, and um, why they should trust us, the training that we've had, I think they're more likely to seek out a dietitian.
0: I agree. Do
1: you, did you,
0: when your family, when you told your family you wanted to be a dietitian, mm-hmm. did they know what a dietitian was at that time? You
1: know, actually, um, they were... I would say more than most families. They seemed relatively um, familiar, partly because my mom's two of her good friends are both registered dietitians. Oh, okay. I was so going to ask if there was. You know, so actually, ones. for some of my 4-H projects, um, Donna, her friend that uh, is a registered dietitian, she would help me do the nutritional analysis for oh, my Jesus. projects. <laughs> um, so that was that was great. Um, so they kind of knew, but I don't think. I don't think until, like, you tell them now that I'm working, like, what my day-to-day looks like, I still don't think people have a full picture of what a dietitian mm-hmm. does. Mm-hmm. Um, so. The more so, we can so, talk about it. Exactly. Yes,
0: exactly. Yeah. Because I would say even dietitians don't know what you do. <laughs>
1: you no. Probably I mean? not.
0: Yeah. That's why I think it's good to do podcasts like this because they're just, a lot of us don't know. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. pretty common. Mm-hmm. That's. I wondered if there was some like younger connection to. Usually, there's a lot of us that have some type of younger connection Mm -hmm. to some type Mm -hmm. of a dietitian or Mm -hmm. nutrition that way. Mm -hmm. So, two friends. Yes, yes, (laughs) yes. So, when you think about being, you've been a dietitian for five years now. Is Mm -hmm. there anything that you've seen change over the last five years, Mm. or has it been pretty consistent since you've been working?
1: Um. You know. I think, for me, what has changed is um, or maybe I don't know if it's a change, but uh, the public's perception of how our food is grown and produced, I think that's um I just hear a lot about that um, so whether it be how animals are treated or GMOs or um, you know factory farms, I think I've heard a lot more about that and because I have such a close tie to that, um, I think that's really kind of like s- ignites this fire in me to <laughs> want to share um, our side of the story or or um, what I know about it and what I can talk to. And so that I would say is one thing that I've kind of um, sort of a side passion, I guess, or mm-hmm. interest is just letting people know, okay, This is how your food is raised. We care about our animals. Um, You know, there's a reason that we're using GMO plants um, on our farm, and they've been proven safe. You know, so that's just... Mm -hmm. um, And then being able to bring in the science from my dietetics training. But I think people want that personal connection. And so I'm fortunate that I'm in a position where I can, you know, bring, bring that hopefully relatability piece of hey, this is food that my family and I eat. Why would we raise something or grow something that isn't, um, you know, safe for your family to eat also? Mm-hmm.
0: I love that connection. Mm-hmm. I love visiting farms and meeting farmers and friends of mine that are, you know, part of those families. And, mm-hmm. and it does. Like, why would you feed someone mm-hmm. something that you wouldn't feed yourself? Yeah. So that's a really good message, too.
1: Yeah. and. Over this past year, I've uh, been able to get involved a little more in our farm. Um, And so it's been interesting because I've just learned all the different roles that a farmer has. And there's a lot of them. Um, You know, you're marketing, your grain, you are managing land leases, you're caring for animals, um, you're negotiating bids on the feed that you're getting. I I mean, there's a lot. You're driving semis. There's just so many different roles that you play. And so I just really... Appreciate um, all the people that produce our food across this country. Me too. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness for yeah. them. <laughs>
0: I agree. <laughs> well, I've loved listening to yours. I cannot wait to see what happens in the next five years. I feel like I've talked to all my guests. I'm like, I'm gonna have to follow up with all of them again in like five years and see what they're doing next because mm-hmm. I know that you're gonna be doing exciting things and. It's so awesome to know you. I love knowing you, Rachel. Well, thanks. Well, and I have some fun questions for you. Sure. So what is your favorite food?
1: My favorite food. So I actually was taking notes yesterday and I kept like writing things. Of my favorite <laughs> like, what do I like the best? Um, so I think you and I both share a love for cherries. Oh my gosh. Um, so so good. I love cherries, but I also love pizza, um, which I've heard that mentioned several times. Yes. Um, <laughs> corn on the cob right now is in season. That's pretty great mm-hmm. um I also love like cupcakes those that was kind of my thing for a while was visiting was different cupcake shops <laughs> um so
0: any of those would be are wonderful I think that could be one perfect meal you could have cherries corn pizza and cupcakes yeah. <laughs> all at the same time <laughs> you should have a you should grow a cherry tree or something that would be fun yeah I thought be- about that I can't grow a lot of things, but maybe I'll try that.
1: <laughs> that would be that would be a new adventure. It would be. I'll let you know
0: if I ever try it. Okay. <laughs> What's your favorite drink?
1: My favorite drink? Um, so probably most of the people in my office could tell you, I usually come in here with an iced vanilla latte from Starbucks. Mm-hmm. More days out of the week than not. Um, <laughs> so I do, especially in the summer, I like cold iced coffee. Uh, but other than that... Are we talking alcoholic Even, or non-alcoholic? Or yeah. If you
0: have a favorite alcoholic beverage, um,
1: too. I love Moscato. I can't go wrong there. Um, but I also love, like, milk. I know that I love, like, <laughs> skim milk. I just think it's so good. <laughs> it is good. I just had cereal. And I'm
0: like, how could you not have cow's milk, skim milk on cereal? There's mm-hmm. just something about that combination. So I'm with you on that, mm-hmm. too.
1: What's your favorite smell? My favorite smell... Um, Probably my grandma's lilacs when they're mm. in season in the spring, they're just Does heavenly. She, have a bunch of them? she has, um, she has like a uh, one of the older bushes, so it's actually like oh, one of the larger ones, yeah. but they just smell heavenly. Oh,
0: they're so oh, my favorite. If mm-hmm. I could just bottle that smell forever, oh. I'd, I'd smear myself yeah. in
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> what brings you joy in life? Brings me joy, you know, I think it it all centers around food. Um, I love, you know, I take a lot of pride in that my family grows and produces food. I like eating food. Um, I like sharing stories about food. Um, so I think it really kind of, that's kind of like the core. Um, my family, we have a century farm. And so I, we just take a lot of pride in the fact that we've been able to farm this land for over a hundred years um, and so you know that brings me joy to think about our ancestors and being able to still continue um, continue doing that and how you still have a
0: big you know like you still have a big part of it and you are a dietitian so I mean I think that goes back to probably your farming roots as mm-hmm. a child too mm-hmm. that you care about food and you care about what it does for people mm-hmm. and it says a huge message about you so it's pretty awesome well thank you <laughs> Well, thanks for taking time with me today and um, I look forward to maybe growing a cherry tree with you and maybe taking a food photography class with you. That'll oh that be fun. sounds that <laughs> sounds fabulous. <laughs> if anyone out there knows of a good class, let us know because we could be interested. <laughs> I would love to hear about it. All right, girl, thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Rachel as much as I did. She is inspiring and adventurous and she's just a great dietitian. I know there is a lot in her future because she is very passionate about our profession. So stay tuned for more on Rachel's journey and maybe we'll follow up with her soon, maybe after her triathlon, we'll see how she's doing. Tomorrow I am actually headed out to go boating with my friends and I'm planning on taking my new favorite thing which is Nick Sticks. Nick Sticks are great because they have all the goodness and none of the garbage. He makes a snack that starts with 100% grass-fed beef and free-range turkey. There's no MSG, no nitrates, no antibiotics, no hormones, no sugar, no red dye, no gluten, just a lot of goodness. Come on over to AnnaElizabethArdy.com where you can catch up on my weekly wisdom blog where I share my current adventures with life, food, my workout playlist of the week, a recipe or maybe something new that I love, On my website, my book is also available for purchase, and you can find my previous podcasts, show notes, and links to the things we talked about during my conversations with my favorite people. I'm also on social media and would love to connect with you there. Find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Anne Elizabeth Ardy. Remember, my friends, to be great always, find the joy in each day, and to start a conversation that truly matters.